Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. It's from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Notice in the word carefully when we read. Don't, don't just read through and rush through them and draw some concepts of, of, of a quick nature, but let's read through them. Listen to the words. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Be followers of me as I am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying and having his head covered dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, then let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of woman, but the woman of the man. Somebody just say, Adam came first. Okay. Neither was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things are of God. How many know it takes a woman to produce a man? Praise God. This is going to get fun today. Verse 13. Judging yourself... Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? If, if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given for a covering. But if any man seem contentious, we have no such custom. What that means is that we don't have any other custom. He's nailing down, driving the nail in and bending the the head over, so to speak. We don't have any other custom, neither in the church of God. This is the way we do things. That's what Paul is saying. This is the way we do things. This is how it looks. I want to talk to you this morning on this thought, because of the angels. Because of the angels. Say that with me. Because of the angels. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to serve, Lord, in your kingdom. I pray that I deliver, Lord, the gift that you have given to me, but let it be, O God, that that it's anointed by you and do the specific work that you desire to do. God, we want your, your, your power flowing through us. We want your blessings flowing through us. We want, God, you to have your way in our life today. In Jesus' name. We pray, let everybody say amen. amen, because of the angels. God bless you, be seated. Our God, the God of heaven and earth, is a God of order. 
The universe was not created by some haphazard arrangement filled with chaos and disorder. Aren't you glad that that earth isn't spinning willy-nilly? That our solar system is not all like, woo, 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 going different directions. They even declassified Pluto as a, a, a planet because it didn't circle the earth or the sun properly. It's because it, it just was not in the right order, I guess. The movement of the universe is, is a measured movement. It's calculated. The cosmos could not exist without properly being arranged. That's what the word cosmos means, properly arranged. Think how God arranged the earth to be tilted on the axis at a perfect 23.5 degrees. Think about that. And it's spinning at the equator a thousand miles an hour. So it's at a tilt and it's spinning at a thousand miles an hour. God bless those folks down by the equator. They got to be dizzy. Without it, part of the earth would be unbearably hot and the other would be overrun by ice. Most of Europe and North America without this tilt would experience very prolonged darkness in the winter and a very prolonged daylight in the summer. Life on the earth's surface would be uninhabitable and intolerable. Think about that. So he tilted it just perfectly at the right degree. Think about the complexity of the solar system, the expanse of far-flung galaxies. Think about the minute molecules and the compound structure of an atom. He put it together in order. All of creation points to a divine plan and a divine order. God created the universe to function in order. He put laws in place that keeps the planets together, that keeps the sun revolving. You know the sun revolves itself. Consider how the universe is orderly arranged. Then bring it closer to, to our, our realm. Consider the amazing oceans that flow and ebb and flow and, and have a, a, a control by the, the very moon in the sky, by the order of God. Think about the graceful dolphin and how that they live in the seahorse and the, the seven, 170 ton blue whale, all beautifully and ornately created by God to function in their design and their place. Think about the animals and how that God is arranged and designed by order. Science tells us that the universe is made up of three primary things, time, space, and matter. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, that is time. God created the heaven, that is space, and the earth, that is matter. Before there was space, before there was time, in the beginning was God, before there was the earth. Somebody say praise the Lord today. <clears throat> we consider that the heavens were made by God to be orderly and in rage, in an arrangement. Isaiah, it says in 48 and 13, it says, my hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth. My right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. God orchestrated like a choir director all the galaxies, all of the stars, all of the things from one end of the universe to the other. Jeremiah wrote about the ordinances of the moon and the stars in 31 and 35. God created laws and ordinances to keep the universe working in its proper order. It is crystal clear, brothers and sisters, that God is a God of divine order. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, for God is not the author of confusion. <laughs> God is not, then there's a lot of stuff going on today that's not from God. Somebody say amen. amen. But he's the author of peace, as in all churches of the saints, 
The word confusion is rebellion, disorder, insurrection. It's a riot. It's a violent disorder. Confusion is the state of things being in chaos. The absence of order ushers in anarchy and confusion. But what he said a few verses later in, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40, he said, let all things, somebody say all things, be done decently and in order. Woo! Decently and in order. The, the phrase decently talks about the, the manner or how it looks, the fashion of it, the figure of it. We will find the outward form of it. In order means how it is arranged and how it is organized. It's talking about the character of it or the quality of it. Decently has to do with how it looks. Order has to do with how it functions. Decently has, has to do with and deals with presentation. Order deals with purpose. Decently speaks of obedience. And order speaks of submission. Our God is a God of purpose, of order, of arrangement. His authority and of power flows through those laws. Look at Romans 13 and 1. Let every soul, how many souls? Let every, be, let every, every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be ordained of God. Can I tell you that Satan could not create his own power. Only God has given him the power to do what he's doing. I believe it is a, a common error, as one writer said, and misleading opinion of mankind that authority is pleasant and submission is painful. In general course of human affairs, the very reverse of this is nearer to the truth. Command is anxiety. Obedience is ease. Command is anxiety. Obedience is ease. We have made submission sound like a bad word. We've made submission sound like that, 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 that there is nothing pleasant about it. We want authority, but I want to tell you God's authority works hand in hand with submission. All power comes from God. No man is uh, uh, in authority. We are all under authority. They are ordained by God. They are arranged by God. They are ordered by God. God sets things in order. The heavens declare the glory of God and reveal the order and the arrangement of God. The tabernacle and its structure and its tents and its beautiful pieces of furniture and its, and its operation and its rites and all that they do in worship in the temple speaks about the God of order and arrangement. The New Testament is founded on authority and order. God said in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God said in the church, bishops and elders and, and deacons. And God said in the church, his divine authority by order. The place that order is most readily demonstrated is the family. Somebody say the family. God is the originator of the family. God birthed the family. He started marriage, so he, as creator of that, has the authority to define how marriage looks and how the home functions. The family is God's divine model for submission, authority, and functional order. The order of the family is essential to the order of culture and the order of society. Can I tell you, the demise of the family in today's world has led to a lot of the junk that we're seeing when it comes to crime, when it comes to these mass killings, when it comes to the abuse of drugs and all these maladies and disorders uh, uh, that people are having. I, I, I want to tell you, I believe it goes back to the demise and the dysfunction of family. When you find a home, please hear me, when you find a home that has chaos continually, something's out of order. When you find a home that has disobedience and dysfunction continually, something is out of order. 
Why is there a rise of all these personality disorders like narcissism and mood disorders and personality disorders, workaholism and gambling and eating disorders and affairs and a whole list of issues that I believe go back to your family structure? Families out of alignment with the Creator's design will come become out of order and dysfunctional. The rising cost, hear me, the rising cost of dysfunctional families has yet to be seen in its fullness. Yet to be seen in its fullness. God created the family to have order, not authoritarian abuse, but order. Not, not anger and hostility, but peace. If the husband doesn't know his place in the family, the family cannot properly function. If the wife doesn't know her place in the home, the home cannot function outside of chaos. That's the natural return to that particular place. For the earth was without form and void. It was in chaos and it took God speaking order to make it right. Now, I want to settle this real quickly. Men and women are created equal. Somebody say equal. Equal in essence, equal in distinction, but different in function and roles. If we believe that all scripture is God-breathed, then Paul, in this passage of scripture, is declaring an unchangeable truth about God's functional design. While there is divine distinction in the roles, there is no distinction in the spiritual life. There is no distinction in essence when it comes to a man and a woman. There is no distinction of person. There is no distinction of worth. There is no distinction of value when it comes to a man or a woman in the eyes of God. If you are regenerated by God, you are held at the most optimum supreme value. Amen. Men and women are equally, though different emotionally, equally, though different intellectually. But according to God's framework, they have a different role and a different purpose. Hallelujah. In, in, in creation, we find that God created them male and female. Somebody say male and female. He created them Amen. Men and women are different all the way back to creation. The war on destroying the distinctions of men and women does not bring about equality. The battle for, for, for the feminist movement or the battle for the equal rights uh, when it comes between the sexes and, you know, we got to have equal this and equal that has not brought about what they have fought for. But it has really done so much damage because now there is the tendency to be little diversity. And women that were once held in honor and respect and held as something as beautiful and lovely is now being torn down and the masculinity of man is being torn down to try to put us on an equal footing. But when it comes to equal footing, we are equal in the eyes of God in essence, but not when it comes to function. Since God created us, he has the right to define us. He has the right to define us. Amen. We find that the Bible speaks about alignment and headship. This is nothing new that I've taught you, but I haven't taught it in a while, and I wanted to get back to it. Alignment essentially states that men and women are created by God to be different, distinct in their represent, representation of God's plan, authority, and Order. Somebody say amen. amen. Paul is writing to a Corinthian church that is out of order. It's dysfunctional. It's messed up. They've got divisions. They've got sexual immorality. 
They have Christians suing others at court. They've got marriage and divorce issues. They've got food being offered to idols. They've got all this problem and confusion about the Lord's Supper, about spiritual gifts, about doctrine and giving and offerings. I want to tell you, this church is messed up and out of order. And in the middle of it, the reason, I believe, is found in chapter 11, where the family is out of order. Husbands don't understand their roles. Wives don't understand their roles. Single moms don't understand their roles. Single dads don't understand their roles. Unmarried men and unmarried women do not understand their roles. Women that that have unsaved husbands and, and men that have unsaved wives... How does this look in the kingdom of God? Paul said, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. He said, I praise you that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances that I delivered unto you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man, the head of every man, not just the church man, but every man, is to be Christ, amen, and the head of the woman, amen, it didn't say every woman because a man is to have one God, one wife. Amen, oh, I, I have anybody preaching with pastor today because we're, we're going to get into this for just a few minutes. Hang on. Paul is telling them, here's the issue, headship. Follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 reveals a principle that is consistent with God's order and God's plan all the way back to Leviticus. Amen. I think we're missing the mark when we focus on this text all about the hair. Can I tell you that the hair in this text is a sub part of it. It's a substatement, and we're going to get to that and what it means in just a moment. But the real issue that Paul is dealing with is order. He's dealing with headship. He's dealing with alignment. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Notice he didn't say Jesus. He said Christ for a purpose. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Paul is saying, I need you to get this. I need you to understand. And later on he says, and we don't have any other custom. We don't have any other uh, uh, cultural idea and concept. This is how we do it. Somebody say, this is how we do it. The principle of headship applies to every nation Every people, all places. The principle of headship is just not an American principle. It's not a German principle. It's not just for Africa or Indonesia. It is God's order for the family universally. It's not limited to home life, not merely to this world, but the entire universe comes under this divine principle of order and functional headship. No wonder Satan wants to destroy marriages. No wonder Satan wants to destroy and mar the meaning of marriage and what the family looks like. I'm telling you, the family only looks like what God said it looks like, not what society says. Amen. What Not what culture says, certainly not what Hollywood says. Family. Everybody say family. Woo, I love family. No wonder Satan is out to destroy the family. The word of God clearly teaches us that Christ is the head of the church in Ephesians 1.22 and other places. But here we find that Christ is the head, is said to be the head of every man. Every creature, every male creature should be under the authority of Christ. Some willingly submit to Christ and to the work of Christ. Others rebel and others fall from the side. Amen. There are those that submit in marriage to their husband and those there are those that do not. There are those that submit to the authority of the church. If you're not covered by a husband, whether unbeliever or no husband at all, can I tell you that this church becomes your covering. This church becomes that which you fall under the authority of. It does not mean that you cannot be, you, you, you shouldn't be submitted to your husband. You should as unto 
the Lord. And in every way that we should be able to be submitted unto the Lord. The word head here means authority or government. Notice it doesn't mean that man is better, but it's his functional design to be the head of the home. Headship has to do with order, functionality, spiritual authority, and proper alignment. Not better, best, more important, least important. Hallelujah. Christ is the head of every woman. The Messiah, the anointed one, the redemptive worker, the sonship of Jesus Christ is what is intended here. What he did on this earth, I've got to submit to. What he's done on this earth... Understanding this dynamic is key to understanding headship. Headship authority is not given so a man can dominate a woman. That is abuse. But so that he can properly love and lead his family. Paul uses the title Christ here in referring to the humanity of Jesus. When we understand how Christ submitted to the will of the Father repeatedly. And he wants that to be the example that a man submits to that kind of attitude. I am submitted to the will. We have for years talked about how women need to submit and we have missed how men should submit. I wish I had three more women that say amen to that statement. We have put women down. Pastors have abused them. Teachers have abused them. Bless God, you need to submit to your, you need to submit to your husband and be a humble, obedient wife. Well, dude, do that. But husbands better submit to Christ and follow him. Otherwise, if a husband is out of alignment from Christ, a wife is missing something essential in her life. If a wife is out of alignment from submission to authority, she's missing something essential in her life. Praise God. The head of every man is Christ. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. I'll get back to it. But the head of a woman is the man. If you want to deny that part, you better, re, better re, be able to deny that a man should be submitted to Christ and that Christ is under the authority of the Father. Somebody say amen. Here's the principle let's look in and deal with. Verse 4 says, When every man praying or prophesying have his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, for that even all one as if she were shaven. Praying here means publicly talking to God. Prophesy here means publicly talking to people about God. Not just private prayer or private discussion, but publicly. We find that these two possible dimensions of ministry requires the principle of headship to be in place. A man who prays to God must properly be submitted to Christ. A man who speaks for God must be properly submitted to Christ. Amen. Why would Paul tell the men of Corinth not to put on a head covering? Because that in Corinth, not in Judeo culture, but in Corinth, it was a sign of femininity. Because when a woman wanted to show that she was a woman in Corinth, she would put a veil on and cover her head. She'd walk down the street and you could tell the difference between a woman who had family and was submitted because she had a veil on. And when she would come and she would publicly speak in Corinth, she would put a veil covering on to pray publicly or to speak publicly. That was the custom that Paul is dealing with. So a woman appeared submissive and modest when she wore a veil in Corinth. What he is saying is don't violate the customs that are significant in your society. What makes a woman look like a woman in your society, do it. 
What makes a man look like a man in your society? Do it. Still yet today, with all the mess that is going on, go to a a public place and there's a picture of a man and there's a picture of a woman. And that has set the cultural design for our society. What does a woman look like? She's got a skirt on. She looks different. A man does not. So there is the distinction in culture and and society that a man is to look like a man and a woman is to look like a a woman. And in Paul's day, a woman in Corinth would put a veil on to look like a woman. Then Then he said this, For if a woman be not covered, that's wearing a veil, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of a man. If a woman is going to take off her veil, this is what he's saying. If a woman is going to take off her veil, which was the local custom, she might as well shave her head, which speaks to the universal custom and law for a Corinthian woman to remove her covering or a veil in public was a sign that she's declaring I have vacated my role as a woman and I've accepted the role of a man Corinthian women removed their veil and their hair covering because of two things I've told you this before but let me tell you it again some of you will be hearing it for the first time In Corinth, there were feminists that would protest and the way they would protest is that they would remove their veil. They would remove their veil and some would even cut their hair short. They were making a statement that I want to function like a man and I want to take authority like a man. One of the marks of the feminist movement that occurred in that day was the shearing of their hair so that they would resemble that of a man. They were saying we're equal. What they were doing is like the feminist movement of the day. They were going after something they did not understand. God already says you're equal. God already says you're awesome. God already says you have worth and are, are glorious in essence. But what they were trying to do is get out of line of headship and God said that just doesn't work the second group that would remove their veil and cut their hair was prostitutes they would advertise their availability by discarding their veils for the sake of their occupation most of them were temple or pagan prostitutes they would outwardly identify themselves as either a feminist protester are a prostitute in Corinth. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about this is what Paul is writing about. Verse 6 reveals the universal principle. If a Corinthian woman who has found new, found liberty in Christ, if she takes on her off her veil, Paul said you might as well cut your hair off. Why? The cultural and the universal distinctions. A veil was the cultural distinction for a woman. A hair, the hair is the universal distinction for a woman. Uncut hair is the universal symbol that a lady is modest and under proper alignment. We say that again. Uncut hair is the symbol of an internal attitude and heart that a woman is modest and under proper alignment. The veil for the Corinthians was the cultural symbol. But Paul said there is a greater symbol that is beyond that, and that is let your hair grow. Let your hair grow. It's not about how long it is. It's not like you've got to have, everybody's got to hair, have hair down to the, a woman's got to hair, have the hair down to their waist. It's not about that. It's about the fact that it is let to grow. It is the fact that men are to have short hair, according to Scripture, and women to have long hair. Don't get bogged down on how long is long or how short is short. Amen. Just leave the scissors out of your hair, and that will make all the difference. Whether you've got short hair that doesn't grow real well or you've got great long hair, God bless you. And there's a reason for that. Uncut hair is God's universal symbol of a woman's glory. Modesty and submission submitted to her head reveals 
by that, that she is doing that with her uncut hair. Now, I want to tell you, a woman can have long hair and still have a long tongue and immodest and out of order, and that is just as much of a problem as if she had shaved her head. Oh, praise. Thank you, Sister Alberta. I heard that. Say amen. Now, ladies, I'll get back to you just in a minute. Let's go tackle the men. Come on, men. Let's say, let me have it, pastor. No, no, no. I need some deep voice men to go, let me have it, pastor. Paul said like this. He said there would come a time when there were those that would have a symbol of godliness but deny the power thereof. There is a difference in, in apostolic doctrine between what is a symbol and what is the substance. In this text, the substance is about headship, submission, alignment, and authority. The symbol for a woman is her hair. What is the symbol for a man? First Corinthians or First Timothy, rather, chapter two and verse eight. Paul said, "I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting." I want to give you four signs that a man is submitted to Christ. I want to show you four things that a man shows that a man is submitted to Christ. Number one, a submitted man is a spiritual man. He's a praying man. He is submitted in prayer life. He's a spiritual-minded man that cause he's got a submitted mind. A man who works on his relationship with Christ is a submitted man. A worshiping man is a submitted man. Well, pastor, that's just not my mentality. That's just not my emotion. Well, praise God, get your hands up anyway. Worship God anyway. Say, I don't feel like saying amen. Say amen anyway. You want to know? Your wife needs to know that you're submitted to Christ when you say amen, when you lift your hands and worship God, when you praise God, when you pray at home, and when you worship God at home. That is the symbol of a submitted man. A submitted man is a pure man. Lift up holy hands. That means the appetites of the flesh are under his uh, control. He has handled, put a handle on lust and passions. Amen. In their, put them in the proper place. A submitted man is a man that values his purity and doesn't partake of pornography. A submitted man keeps his thought life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. A submitted man is not all caught up in fantasies and, and things that are out of control. He's controlling the appetites of what he eats, of what he looks at. It's a sign that he has submitted his relationship to Christ. A submitted man has a balanced life. He's not just overrun by his appetites and his passions, but he says, I am submitted to Christ. I'm telling you, this is what a submitted man looks like. A submitted man has his anger under control, for he says, without wrath. That's anger, rage, wrath, resentment. I have watched over the years preachers that will preach hard on women and then have no control of their anger. Y'all sit down. You know what a submitted man looks like? He's got his anger and wrath under control. He is submitted and he's not abusive. He is submitted and he has the difference. He knows the difference between righteous indignation and fighting for things that are right and between wrath. He is submitted. He's not a brawler. Amen. When I see a man... That says, come on, let's take it outside. I'll show you who's boss. I'll show you a man who's not submitted to Christ. A brawler. No, not if I'm submitted to Christ. Hallelujah. The fourth thing that you will see is a submitted man is a man who is not indifferent, not apathetic. Amen. Not apathetic and indifferent and cynical. 
Here the word doubting means debate, reasoning, cynical skepticism, pessimistic, negativity all the time. I will show you show me a man who is constantly negative and pessimistic and I'll show you a man who needs to get under the lordship of Christ. You show me a man who is positive and faith building and I'll show you a man who's submitted to Christ. A submitted man is engaged with what is going on in his family and in his home. He doesn't sit back and let mama do everything and let his wife be the spiritual head. Amen. But a submitted man will allow his heart to say, I'll take charge. I'm going to be the first one on my feet worshiping. Not you, honey. I'll be the first one on my feet praising God. I'll be the first one to talk about prayer. I'll be the first one to lead as priest of my home. A submitted man is not an indifferent man but is a man who is under his authority. Let's go to the meat of my text today. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 8. This sounds like a riddle, but when you read these verses, just remember God created Adam first, and then he said, I think I can do better. Lord, it's the truth. It's a good thing. I'm not going there. He says, for, verse 8, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman for the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Do you realize the curse of, of Genesis is that God said part of the curse would be that women would have to bear children in pain and sorrow. God bless you. God bless you. Not only do you have that, you have that all the way through the end of your life dealing with things related to the curse. God bless you. Let's give our women a hand. Come on, man. But another thing that was the curse, if you read it correctly, is that the Lord said to Eve, your desire will be to your husband. Ever since the fall, there has been this struggle between man and woman. It's only gotten worse in the last 50, 100 years. It's been a struggle. There's been a battle. But look, let's, let's continue. Look at verse 10. For this cause, for the order of God's creation. Let's put it that way, all right? Somebody say, for the order of God's creation. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. We all need each other relationship we all need each other for as the woman is of the man even so is the man also by the woman but all things of God power on a woman's head is not her hair ladies there is no power in your head but pastor I put my hair over my child and the Lord healed God bless you that's an act of faith but it wasn't the power in your hair that did it. It was the power of your faith that did it. Okay? Don't mess anybody's bubble. But there's no power in your hair. Otherwise, when a woman has cancer and loses all her hair, she would lose all of her power. But I will tell you, Sister Walls went through that and never lost her power. Why? She had submission to her headship. You know what? That ought to make you shout. And, and, and when you are, you are a single lady or you're a lady in a situation where you don't have a covering, you're covered by the church. So that doesn't mean if you lose all your hair, you lost all your power. My Lord, help me, Jesus. Okay? The symbol is essential, but we have made the hair 
itself the power to do so, in my opinion, is to improperly exegesis the text, properly interpret the text. Yes, not it. cutting your hair is a universal symbol. That's why we don't cut it. I'm going to show you why. <clears throat> but we can miss the mandate of God when we place improper focus on just the symbol. I can tell you people that have come through church, ladies that have come through church, that went out in the world and they're sleeping with other, they're sleeping with people that are not, it's not their husband. They're living in ways, but they still have long hair. Does that mean that they have a covering? Does it? No. Because the symbol has got to match the internal substance. Unless, if it doesn't match the internal substance, then the symbol leads to an improper conclusion. All right. So we find that, ladies, your submission to your husband, again, if you're single, if your husband is unsaved, you have that covering by your pastoral authority and by your church that carries that incredible uh, covering and protection for you. But why is it that, that, that a lady should have long hair? Why should she have that symbol? The Bible said, because of the angels. What are angels? What, do, what role do they play in this perplexing text? Amen. The biblical word for angel means something that brings information and functions as a messenger. Angels are supernatural and spiritual messengers. Amen. They are either a messenger of the Lord to bring to you a promise, to bring to you an answer, to bring to you a future, or they are messenger of darkness to bring confusion, to bring worry, to bring fear, and a lie. 1 Corinthians 11 is a discourse on order more than a mandate on hair. It deals with the functional authority and what it looks like. Go back to the garden and you will see when sin entered into the world, Adam was out of order. First of all, Adam was out of order. He wasn't doing what he was designed to do and fulfill his functional authority. Amen. Adam was silent when the serpent was speaking to Eve. In Genesis, it tells us that, that Eve took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband who was with her. The phrase there doesn't mean he's standing off somewhere in a far distance, but he's standing there watching the scene unfold. You are stupid, Adam. You are crazy, Adam. Pick up and lift up your voice. That's a serpent. And the Lord said, I give you the authority to partake and protect of your garden. You should have said to that devil, shut up. That's what husbands need to be doing in their homes. When the devil comes in, shut up. Be quiet. That's a lie. That's not true. Satan hides himself as an angel light to attack families. And that's what he did to the first family. He got Adam was out of submission to what God was doing. And then Eve was out of submission to Adam. And the serpent was able to bring a message and beguile her. Now go back to our text in 1 Corinthians 11. The principle of 1 Corinthians 11 is about functional authority. When a man is properly submitted to Christ, his head, he is under spiritual authority and covering. When a woman operates in a spiritual matter without a covering, she dishonors that authority. A woman's hair is an external symbol of an internal substance. The result of that is power from on high. When a woman is in line with Christ through her husband or through her church, when a woman is in line with delegated authority, I want to tell you, ladies, that's why you are so passionate about your prayer. That's why some of you are praying for things and taking dominion on things is because you stand not only in symbol but in substance. You stand in authority, in submission, and representation. Because you stand in representation, you are showing the glory of God is the power and function for this cause. Women ought to have power in her hair because of the Lord. No, it didn't say that. 
because of the angel. The being that beguiled Eve was an angel. Without order, Eve became prey to the enemy's message. She operated in no authority and hadn't cut her hair. Come on, somebody. You can expect dynamic power in your home when a man and a woman, both visibly, as we talked about how a man represents, substantially represents the glory of God, has power on their head. The angels, listen to me, the angels recognize dominion, authority, and power. Both good angels and bad angels recognize authority, headship, and power. Hebrews 1.14, for they not all, or are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Uh, Psalm 34 and 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them from, uh, and delivereth them. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse, verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Angels are messengers. Good angels are messengers from God to give you direction, to give you instruction. But angels that are demons have come to look for things that are out of order. They are attracted to chaos. They are attracted to disorder. And so when they come looking, the first thing they're going to see is the symbol there is the symbol there you say why do I not cut my hair pastor because it is the universal symbol of covering and it shows every spirit that shows up in your life I am under submission I am under authority so I can operate with authority I've got power to tell you devil get away from my mind get away from my home get away from my children get away from my life get away because I not only have the symbol I have have the substance. Don't confuse the two. We need both. Why is headship and alignment so important? Because of the angels. Why should we be intentionally as both men and women submitted to our authorities? Because of the angel. Why should men be, 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 be the head or the pastor of their home? Because of the angels. Why shame on a man that, that delegates spiritual authority to his wife. No slam on a wife. We thank God for spiritual women. But the reason a lot of times a wife becomes the default leader of their family is because the head is a wimp. Oh, praise be to God. Is that going over live string? Why should a wife see her husband worshiping and praising God? Because devils are watching the same thing. Worship and pray. You know what? Could it be that, that the enemy comes looking at women because of, of their, their outward adornment and comes looking for men by their actions and their words and their attitude? Praise God. I'm going to tell you this works because of the angel. Mary would have never been visited by an angel if she was out of order and rebellious. Never. Joseph would have never been visited by an angel if he had not had proper submission and alignment in his life. Zacharias the priest was faithfully carrying out his mission when a heavenly messenger showed up in his worship. Out of respect and submission, Sarah called Abraham Lord. Therefore, the angel could show up and say, Sarah is about to have a baby. I'm telling you, are we missing miracles because we've missed this? Are we missing a move of God because we missed this? We've made it just about the hair, but it's not about the hair. Whew. Can I, can, I'm going to skip around this next verse. Just, just go with me back there. I want to go to Genesis 18 and verse 13. The angel shows up. The angel of the Lord shows up. And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, 
saying, Shall of a surety bear a child which am old? And listen to these words. This is the message. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can I tell you, you're submitted to proper authority in your life. This is what you ought to say. Nothing's too hard for you, God. Nothing's too hard for you, God. Hallelujah. At the time appointed, I will return to thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Perhaps we have missed some great miracles because we couldn't have the right messenger in our life. I want to talk to you that have unsaved husbands today. Paul said, Paul said this. He said, you win them by your chaste conversation. There is a way to stay submitted to an unsaved man so long as that submission doesn't violate God's plan. If he told you to take the gun and go rob the bank, you'd say, heck, I'm I'm passing it on by. But it is through submission that a man learns to trust Jesus Christ. It is through submission that a woman begins to learn to trust authority. And this is the key when Paul said, if anybody wants to debate this, anybody wants to discuss this, we don't have any other custom. We don't know any other way of doing it. This is the way. Now some have said, That is a verse that means that it throws everything away. Then why did he write it? But it doesn't. In its context, it means that we don't have any other custom than headship. Okay? Let me me conclude with this text. Ephesians 3 and 9. I realize that this message is not one of those running the aisles shouting. But I will tell you, if you operate in this, you will run the aisle and shout. <laughs> Praise be to God. <clears throat> Ephesians 3 and 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers, remember that from Sunday, In heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God is saying here, he wants his church to show up the principalities of darkness. Every demon in hell hates seeing the church operate in victory and power and glory and submission. Because they rebelled. They hated. He's going to show up. Verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Somebody say the angels are looking. The angels are looking. The angels are looking. If they see something different than just a long hair and, and they see a long tongue and, 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 and an attitude out of order, they're going to recognize that. If they see a man who says, I'm under Christ and he's not being spiritual, he has not being, uh, got his appetites under control and he doesn't have uh, 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 his anger under control, if he sees that, then he can say, I can attack there because I recognize rebellion. But when the devil sees that I am properly submitted to the authority in my life, it is a stop sign to him. You know how to put a stop sign on your house? Get your house in order. You know how to put a stop sign to the devil that says don't bother me anymore? It's not only have the symbol, but have the substance in your heart. Amen. Not only have the substance, but have the symbol. That is for both men and women. Come on, stand to your feet and give God praise. Give God praise today. Give God praise today. I've just taught you a principle that works. I've taught you a principle that's not pastor's idea. That's heaven's idea. I've taught you how to have kingdom authority. A kingdom authority operates in alignment. Hallelujah. I'm going to go down the road just for a few minutes more. 
I've, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be able to pastor other pastors. I'm blessed to be served in that capacity. I can tell you this. I've had more discussions in the last few years about a Jezebel spirit than any kind of spirit. Jezebel spirit's coming in, in the church. I don't have time to teach on that. Maybe some other time what a Jezebel spirit is. But can I just tell you, there'd be far less Jezebel spirits than there'd be far less Ahabs. Y'all ready for tonight? Here's the trouble, is that we live in a world who teaches a cultural idea that's totally counter to this. It doesn't match. Totally uh, anti to this. What a family looks like. What a home looks like. Can I just tell all you young folks, it hasn't always been this far apart between the church and the world. It really hasn't. My dad remembers the very first woman in his community who cut her hair. It was a universal understanding, but now it has become commonplace. I'm going to tell you, just because you see a woman with short hair, be patient. It may be growing. Don't judge her by that. But watch for the substance. Watch for the submitted attitude. Watch for that because there's where the true rubber meets the road. Again, we can get rulers out. Man, oh man. I wish I could have a fraction, just a fraction of this right here. You ever see how long her hair is? Way long. Sam, that's beautiful, but it means absolutely nothing if you're not truly submitted here. Praise God. And if your hair, ladies, sits on your shoulders or, and you're, you're just letting it grow, you ought to thank the Lord if you've got what you've got right in here. Wear it up, wear it down, curl it. Go ahead. Just let it grow so that it becomes a symbol of what's in here. Why? Because of the angels. Angels. You have authority with angels because you're submitted. You have authority with angels. And when you let your hair grow out, that's a sign of that. Men, what is our sign? Hallelujah! Praise you, Lord! Thank you, Jesus. Radical worship is a sign. Being faithful to the house of God, leading our families in prayer, it's a sign. Sign. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.